and three, two, one. Hello, everyone. My name is Mike Cisneros, and you are listening to Cincy Brewcast. And welcome to Cincy Brewcast, everybody. Once again, my name is Mike Cisneros, and I am joined tonight by, on my right, uh, my daughter, Tina Cisneros, who happens to be a craft beer aficionado. And uh, good evening, ma'am. Good evening. And on my left uh, is uh, our blogger uh, extraordinaire, uh, Cincy Brew blogger, the gnarly gnome. Gnome, good evening. Good evening. And finally, joining us as a guest panelist tonight is Chris Camboris, who is an assistant brewer at Mount Carmel Brewing Company in Cincinnati, Ohio. And Chris, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. If he's gnarly, I want to be crusty. <laughs> <laughs> the crusty. All right, crusty. Well, well, the crusty. You know, I like that. Uh, um, and uh, we're going to talk about craft beer. Uh, you know, uh, we think that uh, that. Um, I've, been discussing it. We think it might be an underserved part of the Cincinnati craft beer scene. There are other craft beer podcasts, uh, but nothing that really focuses on Cincinnati. And so we want to do uh, something that's unique for the Cincinnati craft beer community. We want to give Cincinnati craft beer a voice. I think we'll be able to do that uh, starting tonight. And uh, one of the things that we're going to do, we're going to start off right away with uh, one of the big Features that we're going to try to have is is tasting and commentary on on the beer, and we're going to call it from the beer fridge. And uh, this is our first segment. And tonight, uh, the gnome has brought us a very interesting side by side uh, taste test that we're going to uh, that we're going to talk about right now. The gnome, what did you bring? Got some IPAs, some Imperial IPAs. If we had put this off till tomorrow, we could have had the new Galaxy High to go along with it, but. <laughs> We've got more Lions Bay of Bengal, the double IPA, which is a little old, so it's probably not going to be as good as the other ones, but I figured we'd throw it in. Uh, we have Mount Carmel's Imperial IPA from their Snapshot series. Mm, and then something I'm very familiar with. Sabretooth Tiger from Rheingeist. <laughs> which is which, something that I have not had. It's uh, and, something special. Yeah, well, I, was look, I looked forward to it uh, last year and was able, unable to get to their initial uh, release party for it. And again, wasn't out able to get there this year, but uh, but we're looking forward to it. Did we get the? Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I happen to have some. I'll let you pour some. I happen to have a uh, the bottle opener, uh, bottle opener right here. That's a special uh, effects guy. Yeah, well, <laughs> well yeah, that's a, there's an interesting little story in that. I don't know if you want to talk about that or not, but um, and let you open the uh, saber tooth there. And, um, Shall I start? Yeah, we're going to pour them in the glasses and pass them around. Um, right now, uh, I will uh, talk about while we're pouring and passing uh, that um, today uh, I was fortunate to do the inaugural uh, interview for Cincy Brewcast, and we spoke to none other than Mike Dewey, the brewmaster and owner and founder of Mount Carmel Brewing Company. Uh, he was kind enough to sit down with me for about 45 minutes for a very wide-ranging interview. We're going to bring you that interview uh, in some form or other, uh, probably in two weeks' time here on the Brewcast. We uh, have some other news that we're going to kind of deal with next week uh, that deals with the Braxton Brewing opening 
And uh, so we're going to speak with Mike Dewey on the Brewcast uh, in two weeks, in two podcasts. So podcast number three uh, will feature uh, Mike Dewey of Mount Carmel Brewing Company uh, talking about all sorts of various uh, uh, various topics as far as Cincinnati craft brewing is concerned, uh, the, the industry, the scene, the way things changed over 10 years, uh, and that'll be in a couple of weeks uh, here on Cincy Brewcast. Um, the initial, um, this is the this is the Mount Carmel, right? The first one was Mount. Carmel. The first one is the Mount Carmel. Right, right away with the. Uh, this would that's be Mount Carmel. The Mount Carmel you got there. The, oh, the Mount Carmel slightly it's, hazy. Yes. Slightly hazier, a little it's, bit darker. Yeah, the difference in color is sort of the evil. first thing that. Uh, <laughs> evil. Oh, this is the the more line. Oh, the more line. Okay, great. I'm very. I, I gotta say, Mike, I just wanted to say I'm, I'm uh, excited to be doing this just because. Uh, just a little background about myself, me being from Cleveland. Um, there's there's quite a bit. Oh, I'm going the wrong way here. Look at me. Uh, there is a. It is kind of like night and day between here and, and Cleveland as far as like the beer scene goes. I mean, you, you, when you're in Cleveland, you you really feel like you've heard of just about every beer there because it's it's a pretty saturated market there. Uh, you know, coming to Cincinnati, I was really excited to find out there's been all these beers in Ohio right under my nose that I didn't even know of and that could just be because I have my head on the ground most of the time but uh but it's still it's a, it's an exciting to see the different uh, different side of things well I mean up in Cleveland you know the big the big the big guy is is Great Lakes and sure. they're one of the first ones that ever you know came down here to Cincinnati you get a little brew kettle you get a little you know and, and then which is where you came from correct and then you know I mean, I think one of the best kept secrets, and nobody's getting any of it between uh, between you know probably Akron and and, and Strongsville and a couple of other places uh, south of there, and and Cincinnati is 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 Market Garden, which oh, we yeah. happened to go to a couple of years ago. Tina and I happened to go up there and see and and see and experience Market Garden, and oh, I mean yeah. it is it's absolutely great out of this world. Yeah, absolutely fantastic, wonderful beer, excellent. Excellent food. Right. So, I mean, so it was just, and, and that's a real, if, if anybody from Cincinnati ever gets the chance to run up to Cleveland and, and go to Market Garden, uh, it's a, it's an, it's an awesome space. It's right. just, it's, I can't say enough about it. It's wonderful. Yeah. But anyway, we've got the beers poured now and, um, let's do it. This is what the, are we starting with? this okay. is the, start with Mount looks, Carmel? Like, looks like we're starting with the Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel. I want to bottle that scent that gets you right away yeah. and like wear it as perfume. Yeah. It's so beautiful. <laughs> done it's and done. Such a beautiful bouquet that just comes out. I love it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I have to admit, you know, I'm, I come from White Roger country, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, White Roger pretty much sets the bar for for any IPA that I've ever uh, enjoyed. But uh, I was I was so pleased when I joined Mount Carmel and uh, saw. Uh, experienced um, our uh, our Imperial IPA just just that very resinous um, hoppy character backed by that that I think a very it's a it's a fuller maltier backbone but but not at all imbalanced it's just um, yeah I agree with you that that scent that comes off of it is is almost you know perfumey in a good mm-hmm. way yeah exactly I love them lingering bitterness that just sits in your throat afterwards. I think mm-hmm. that 
Yeah, it's a pretty fantastic beer. I'm I'm completely different. I think what might set it apart from a lot of the other IPAs is 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 the maltiness it retains. Right. I mean, it still tastes like beer. You know, it still tastes like a good solid beer with plenty of malt. Yeah. You know, plenty of not not too much sweetness, but a little bit of sweetness that I like. Uh, And uh, and I mean, I I felt that it was a game changer when it came out. I agree. I mean, I felt that it was something that... that it was that, sort of one of those things with Mount Carmel kind of saying we can keep up and we can so, produce something that, you know, will stand up to Galaxy High and Sabertooth Tiger and, you know, all of the other kind of big... I went to a uh, very large uh, store here in Cincinnati. Uh, we'll call it Amazon Bob's just to keep it <laughs> anonymous. And, Amazon uh, Bob's. Well, I love I'm that sure guy. I'm sure they'll be on at some point, <laughs> and, so I don't uh, think we can pull too many punches. But. Yeah, but I went there and uh, I was very pleased. Uh, they, they, they will pour you samples and pints. And, uh, and you know, I always like to converse with the people behind the bar. And I and I just said, do you have any favorites on right now? And she said, Mount Carmel Imperial IPA. And that just, that just made my day. It's, it, I'm so happy to know that I'm part of a, a brewery that's... Like you said, just kind of changing the game a little bit. All right, here's my first, my first bite of the saber tooth tiger, so to speak. Right. Let's see if it bites back. Oh gosh, I can't remember which one was which one. It's going to be the darker one, I think. Oh, very the young. clearer one. I get a nice little, uh, almost like a cotton candy note right off of that, right off the bat there. Mm-hmm. Little, now, little me, fruit, little fruit gum, little yeah. mango. Do maybe, we sort of little... know off the top of our heads what the the hop profile is? I don't. Like We're looking at the bottle uh, right now <laughs> to see what the, if we if we can tell it's from just, what they say, say. If it says, I was gonna yeah. say mosaic, but that is my complete. Utter lack of knowledge for hops. Sort of, but you know that you can say mosaic and be right because mosaic will change its flavor. Mosaic is like the mushroom. It's like the spectrum. Tell me about that. I mean, what is it? I mean, that's a little inside sports, but what? I probably don't know as much about it as other people, but I mean, mosaic from from what I've heard and what I've experienced, it can vary just according to the harvest, according to how it's been implemented into the brew it it it's like the mockingbird of hops you can you can uh you can kind of mimic some other hop characters from it um i don't know if you can do that intentionally but uh, it's a um, it's a hybrid isn't it uh I, it's it's sort of it's called like mosaic 53 or something like something there was like it that. was a, it was a hybrid of two different hops and i don't know exactly off the top of my head which ones they were um but so i feel like having something that was kind of you know grown and grafted can kind of give you that little uncertainty of what you're going to get from yeah. time to time, harvest to harvest. No, it's, it's, well, i got to say, I like it. In fact, I like it very much. I, I One of the, I, I, it seems milder mm-hmm. to me. I think that could than, be. And more drinkable. It's like, it's the, it, maybe it's older because like the hops kind of get subdued as it ages. Oh, this no, that was, was the, no, that was the more line. Line. Oh, that's uh, the more line. Yeah, sorry. that was sort of my immediate reaction to it as well, is it doesn't have that sort of back end that the... The Mount Carmel does, and then looking at it just through our flight gla- flight glasses here, and and we'll try to, um, you know, in the future we're going to be trying to be interactive. We're going to be trying to post things to websites, right. Facebook, and so forth. And um, and what I what I what I will do is uh, take a photo because the um, the lace on the uh, glass oh, yeah. on the flight glass uh, it would be uh, as I take the photograph. 
the picture, uh, the the saber tooth tiger would be on the right, and the uh, and the. Uh, but the lacing on that is just exquisite. It's just, uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's serving as a scorecard, if you will, uh, for how many sips you've had, mm -hmm. um, as compared to the, uh, as again, as compared to the Mount Carmel, which is a little bit more. I must be um, a greasy dude because my, all my all my lacing went away. I think my I I don't have any lacing either, and I think it might be because of the shape of our glasses compared to. Your yeah, glasses. you have you have you that nice have little the, snifter, yeah, a little. We've like got that. sort of tall, yeah. kind of flight glasses. Which in the in the future might be interesting to do it all out of the same. Actually, it may, it's it's interesting now. Just maybe with all of us using different sample glasses, mm -hmm. we could be getting different characteristics out of it. Well, and I just want to mention this saber tooth tiger. If you've ever seen the bottle, the drawing, the bottle art, um, it has a very special place in my heart because this hops right here mm -hmm. was the inspiration for my own hops tattoo. I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> here, we'll hold them up. We'll hold them up next oh, to each other. <laughs> I have one just like that, but it's in a very, um, you know, we don't want to <laughs> see it. It's yet. an unsavory place. Yes. <laughs> what the heck? I won't show you where I put my mash paddle oh. either. <laughs> see, what, that's for me. What the, is this podcast right there? <laughs> the next step is I've got hops here. The next step is barley here. Well, that's so, awesome. So just, yeah. That's um, great. It's, it's, a, it's a work in progress. No, I feel like a, just a, a chump. I, <laughs> the... Uh, the saber-toothed tiger. I I I think it's like a. I, I get berries. I get like a like a real fruity. Not unlike what I, you said yeah, about I, the cotton candy or a mango. Yeah, uh, it's almost uh, like a. Um, it's tropical to me. Mm -hmm. But but the cotton candy comes more from like you know uh, it's almost like a, a sugary thing. It's not so much of a, a, a maybe the hops are kind of playing into that too, but. Um, <clears throat> I probably need more to double check. Yeah, yeah you better be. You better well, be I think... And yet, to me, drier I think than the Mount Carmel, too. It, so it's got a, it's got a. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Yeah, it's, Chris, it's, do you know it's, off the top of your head what the uh, gravity of the Imperial is? I do not. Because uh, the saber tooth is. I, I want to say it's probably around like the. Uh, I want to say it's like an eight and a half range. Okay, because this is an eight and a half as well, and so sometimes maybe depending on the grab, you know, the higher gravity, you might get a little bit of. Let's real quick because we want to move on to some of the other topics that we wanted to get out of the way. So let's real quick go on to the uh, to the to the Moorline Bay of Bengal, which I like to call Bengal Tears for the uh, <laughs> lack of success of the boys in the playoffs the last four years. I downed um, quite a few of these this season. Over. Yeah. <laughs> That one's gotten a little bit warmer than the other ones. I, I would say um, a little bit more bitter, just overall. It's got sort of a little less subtle. And as um, far as that scent goes, um, you you said um, no that it had been it was a little it's, it's bit late. old. It's from about January, um, and it sort of reminds me of the time I got a high lie from a friend. And it, I looked at the bottom of the can, and it said 2013, and it, it was very late in 2014. And I poured it out, and it had that same sort of smell, and it had that uh, the, the chunks you get when you kind of <laughs> age your yes. IPAs that you yes. shouldn't be aging. Now, I, I would argue that the, the Mount Carmel would probably be okay with a little bit of age. Yeah. I feel like it's got a strong enough malt character to it that even once the hops start to fade a little bit, it's still probably a really good mm -hmm. beer, whereas... It's funny you mention that because I actually, uh, you know, we get to take home some of the low fills uh, from our bottling session, and you know, theoretically, those shouldn't last very long. Right. But 
you know, I do have one or two lying around from like one of the very first bottling sessions I, I was I was at, and you know, this thing it holds up pretty right. well. All right, so we're going to continue to t- we're going to continue to taste as as many of you know as the beers warm up. They, they change character a little bit. We're also sipping a little of the Mount Carmel uh, Stout, uh, which uh, I understand is the, is the uh, well, as I discussed with Mike today, Mount Carmel is the number four selling beer brand, craft beer brand in Kroger stores in the Cincinnati area. And then uh, I believe it was Roger Hill, the taproom manager, posted on Facebook that the Stout is the number one rated Cincinnati craft beer stout uh, by users of rate beer. So it, it's, wow. it's, it's, oh, that's, it's a... That's a stout, not an imperial stout. So right, 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 right. <laughs> just, just a regular stout. Right. Uh, and, the, and the imperial stout is the... Uh, I couldn't tell you what the top uh, one is. Uh, I bet you it's a mastery or something like yeah. that. Yeah. We don't have maybe, imperial stouts. So um, I, can say that. I would almost <laughs> maybe... Well, I'm not sure. Well, yes, and Axis Mundy would have to Axis be right Mundy, up there. I know that people um, love Rivertown's death. That's death, like something that people wait for yes. and yeah. you know really get excited about. That's awesome. Um, so I, it could it could be any number of those. And again, I'm kind of like a virgin to most of these, so mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm learning. Okay. He, did he well, happen to say what the other uh, the the top three? Cincinnati craft uh, beer selling in Kroger stores uh, were. Uh, 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 yes, it was. It was on there. In fact, uh, I left my tablet upstairs. But uh, it was uh, for sure. Ryan guys, for sure. Mad Tree, and then the, the third one. Mm. Uh, the other the third one, I cannot. Uh, I cannot recall. Um, uh, when I was talking to him today, Mike Mike suggested Rivertown, but I do not believe it was Rivertown. Um, so. Okay, I was just I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure, and that makes me feel bad because I feel unprepared <laughs> for the show, <laughs> which is going to happen for probably the next couple of weeks. I anyway. can't anticipate all of your rogue panelists. Uh, right. Um, <laughs> so one of the things that I wanted, since we're kind of all getting to know each other, because uh, quite frankly, I just met uh, Noam and uh, Chris uh, just a few weeks ago, and just in passing... Uh, especially, especially gnome here. But uh, I thought but, we had a moment. Mike. Well, we did have a moment. <laughs> That's why you're sitting here. Okay. Uh, it was man love well, from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, but I kind of wanted to go around the table and just talk about everybody's sort of personal experience with craft beer. What what got you into it? What what's you know what what you get out of it? Uh, kind of what your journey was. Uh, anyone. I'll start. I was in college, um, maybe a little before college. For, you know, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, Legal, the, right? Drinking the same beer everybody else was drinking. And, um, I, you know, Heineken is the one that kind of switched me over a little bit where I tasted my first all malt beer and kind of opened my eyes to what beer could be. And then... Um, I think that's Mount, true. Mount, Mount Carmel was the one that really, really snapped me out of it and I, I i couldn't turn back after that they're nut brown mm-hmm. and we would drive over here to the brewery and fill up our growlers and take them back all through college and it uh couldn't turn back after that and then uh in these last couple of years with uh what's happened with cincinnati it's it's a whole new ball game it uh i couldn't pick up a, a light lager from a macro <laughs> brewery if somebody had a gun to my head at this point <laughs> <laughs> That's 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 my story in a nutshell. 
Uh, well, I'll, I'll try to not keep mine long-winded here, but uh, I kind of uh, I kind of came out, you know, um, I kind of got into the craft beer industry um, through the back door, if you will, because I had no idea that there was even a craft beer industry. I, I just thought, you know, I like to tinker around in the kitchen, um, and uh, I, I've, I've always been one to kind of say, oh, I bet you I can make this at home. And, and, and I knew I liked beer, but I knew that I only liked my liked beer up to my, like my third or fourth one. Then I'm like, why does it start to taste like crap after a while <laughs> you know and i was drinking all these like you know you know macro brews and and um i was like uh you know it, it's got to be something to do with the ingredients they must have changed something i'm like I, I bet you if you really look back if you could find the way beer was originally made i bet you it didn't taste like this and lo and behold you know just uh a little bit of uh uh uh, searching around on the internet, you know, the first thing I stumbled across was how to make beer in a coffee maker. Um, wow. I never actually attempted it. Wow. Right. Show um, number four, maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we need to find. I think we need to. But do that, that was enough to open my eyes and say, "Ooh, you can make this at home." So, um, I I went to a homebrew festival, and and that was it. That just kind of lit the fuse, um, and uh, I. I started, you know, attacking, you know, my homebrew, you know, just full on. And, uh, and a buddy of mine said, you know, uh, you know, you're really getting into this homebrew thing, but did you know that there's breweries around here that you could try some of the different beers and everything like that? And, and, uh, you know, uh, interestingly enough, my, um, my gateway beer, just since, you know, since you confessed yours, mine was Michelob Amber Bach. Um, that <laughs> was, that was, that was my gateway yep. beer. And then I had a second epiphany with Mount Carmel because, um, <laughs> Uh, maybe five miles from my house was like this uh, this place that was rated like I don't know if it's true or not. It might have just been clever marketing, but it was rated the world's number one tasting room or whatever. And uh, you know, I've driven past this place a million times, and I just thought it was just like a just a snobby wine store. You know, it, it had like you know just like all these different beers. And um, I am partial to maltier flavors and things like that. And so just the name Mount Carmel alone uh, kind of like you know piqued my interest and. Uh, I'm probably going all over the board here. With this and this story. was available in the bottle shop yeah. up north, up north, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for a brief time there, you could find Mount Carmel up north. It's it's a little harder to find now because they kind of pulled back a bit, and they're they're just trying to, uh, you know, kind of reclaim some territories and just really get a solid base, you know, more in the uh, southern half of the state now, I guess. Um, you know, I, I'm sure you know you speaking to Mike, you probably know a little more about that, but um, yeah, I guess uh, you know, I I I just kind of attacked. The, uh, the the brewing thing full on and uh, yeah I, I've just been excited about learning ever since and for me it's it's not so much about trying every beer out there but um, I guess uh, beer to me is is more like not not just trying all these different popular beers but it's it's kind of like a a, a, a hearkening back to the old ways the old times and and just beer is one of those things that's been around for millennia and it's going to be around for millennium you know plenty of more millennia and uh it, it's 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 just kind of like a, a window to the past and and i like to keep trying to you know delve deeper and deeper into that i was sitting in the tap room this weekend with my stepdad and he looked over at me and I picked up his pint and he said you know what my grandpa would have loved this. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this this you is know, an it's... interesting time that we're in. Where, well, like... I mean, they do say what came first, beer or bread. 
right. Yeah, you know, exactly. That's that's exactly. a that's a thing. And and, and, and and you know maybe later on I'd like to tap tackle uh, a, a bit of uh, you know maybe the topic in the future I'd like to tackle uh, you know what do we think of like how it used to be that beer was so sparse and and, and a good craft beer was uh, was hard to come by and, and before you were trying to convince people that hey you know here's you know something new for you to try but nowadays it's 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 if anything you're, you're trying to be like hey you know look at me over here you know i, I make beer too you know and it, it's 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 become competitive but thankfully there's still a camaraderie to it but mm-hmm. but it is interesting the dynamic has really shifted tell me what i already know ma'am <laughs> <laughs> okay well i guess without delving into um childhood memories of Parents homebrewing and um, you know trips to Belgium which was as a only child, once, but yeah, which was only um, once too. But I guess sort of my interest in beer, I'd say, while we kind of were talking about our gateway beers, I used to in college hang out with um, six or seven boys from Cleveland, and you know we'd drink at their apartment every Thursday, Friday, set anytime, just getting together, and it was. Around the winter time, probably right before winter break, and um, these guys were running around drinking this beer, and I was like, "Oh, what is that?" And one of the guys handed one to me and said, "Oh, you're not gonna like it." And I said, "Okay." And I looked at it, Great Lakes Christmas Ale, and I was, yeah, "I'm not gonna like it." Okay, we'll see. And I loved it, fell in love with it, um, and kind of from then on, kind of. It was, it was really, for me, Great Lakes. I had the Great Lakes Christmas Ale and then tried other ones, tried, you know, Dortmunder, which is not really in my wheelhouse anymore, but um, Commodore Perry, Burning River, um, just kind of getting to know those beers and then looking for things like it. Um, and I've been in the sort of uh, restaurant industry kind of in the past, for the past like five years or so. And um, I worked at Cock and Bull Hyde Park and uh, we had 60 beers on tap, good bottle selection. And it was just kind of there in our mandatory Tuesday tasting to, you know, kind of know what you're selling to the customer that I was like, this is an amazing world. Um, (laughs) I want to be a part of it. And then, of course, being, you know, growing up across the street from Mount Carmel Brewery, um, started going there, started getting more familiar with tap rooms around town. Um, Just the beers that they put out was really kind of what did it for me, just finding this thing that I knew I liked and then just kind of going full full steam ahead with um, just trying to find everything that I could possibly get my hands on that might be different or new or, you know, somebody says you're not going to like it. <laughs> I'm going to like it. <laughs> I might not like it. I'm going to try it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like challenging your palate now. So, so, yeah, so sort of since then, like I said, I've been working in bars for a while and um, just kind of, and being just a part of the the beer community is such a I you will be able to find me at breweries, beer festivals, events, things like that. I just love being a part of something that has such a kind of what you said the camaraderie, Chris. Um, that it's you really do feel like you're part of like a big family, and right, it's like yeah. if you're on if you're part of the Cincinnati brewing scene, like you know you have people that are gonna be, you know, will share a beer with you or talk hops with you. Um, and it's just really, it's a really nice, you know, way that I enjoy spending my time. Basically. Yeah. It, it, that's, it's the other thing that like, that really turned me on to it was, uh, you know, I, I know I'll probably get kicked off of this panel, but I don't like <laughs> sports all that much. You know, I, it just does not register with me. So 
to to find something that kind of like opened a door for me to you know socialize with people without me having to be pretentious. I'm not. I have no intentions. You know, like say going to a club where your intention is to try and like leave with someone or anything like that. I have nothing other than to enjoy your company and to have a good, honest conversation about the beer that's in front of you. You know that that to me, I can I can do that forever. And know? it is it's the it's the new bar talk. You know, any you sit go into any sort of dive and drinking Budweiser and talking about the game. You go into a tap room. Oh, what are you drinking? What do you think of it? Well, this is what I've heard about this and you know whatever. So it, yeah, it really is sort of a I never looked at it that way, but it really is sort of a thing to talk about that's already built in. Well, it's, right. it's especially Sorry. fun in this world we live in now where you can drive into almost any city across the United States. You can go anywhere in the world and there's beer, but you know, in the United States you can go to any any tiny little city and you pull into town and you go up to somebody and where's where's your brewery? Where's the closest brewery? And they can tell you where you can go to get beer. And there is somewhere nearby that is like-minded people that you can talk to, and you have that that common ground. Mm-hmm. And yeah. beer is one of those things. You can go to any other country, and you can sit down, and you can buy somebody a beer, and you're now friends, and you're going to you talk, go. and you exactly. can talk about the beer. Exactly. I, I used to work for uh, for uh, a, a large uh, auto manufacturer, uh, as well as a, a, a uh, package delivery company. And, uh, you know, those were solid jobs. Um, but... They weren't going to really enrich my life any, and and if anything, I was spending most of my time there fantasizing about brewing, or uh, you know just talking people's ears off about craft beer. And when the opportunity came up for me to be just uh, just submersed in this in this industry, I had no other choice, you know, but to just say, okay, you know, I I got to do it, and I I not not regretted a single moment of it. I wouldn't be sitting here <laughs> drinking your beer. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I came at it from uh, two, I think, two standpoints, uh, taste mm-hmm. and drinking local. Uh, I was, uh, I, I considered myself an early adopter. Uh, I was, um, uh, I was in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico in uh, 1991, 1990. 1990 or 91 and um, you know went to a bar and drank Santa Fe pale ale and uh, fell in love fell in love with the flavor fell in love with the with the color uh, we went you know we went out to we called the brewery you know we called the we called the guys out of the brewery and and, and uh, the guys like uh, I said you give tours and the guy goes well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> we can. I said, well, where are you? And at that time, they were, you know, 20, 30 miles outside of town, which was a long drive from Santa Fe on, you know, two-lane road, uh, you know, back in back in the uh, early 90s. We got out there, t- uh, uh, my wife and my, my dad, we went out there and uh, went in and, and um, I went in the place and I said to the guy, yeah, we're the people that called. And he looked at me and went, you came out? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, uh, tried homebrewing early on. Didn't think I was really suited for it. Thought there were people that could do it, that that were doing it and could do it better. Um, uh, but even at that, uh, you know, there was a dearth. There was not enough. There was not a lot that was going on. So I was you know, salving my wounds with, you know, Heineken's, as Gnome said, 
Uh, God, I drank probably a ship a shipload full of bass. Pale oh, yeah, solid uh, Which is an which even to this day is yeah, is, I can is, still is enjoy a pretty, bass. Pretty, oh, yeah. pretty damn good beer. Although I don't think they brew it in England anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of the English beers, uh, Party Source was a big big thing for me to go and try to find the imported beers, and and, and of course Mount Carmel. I was buying it, which. In the interest of full disclosure, while I'm not going to tell you the exact location where we're doing this podcast tonight and probably for a long time in the future, is very, very close to <laughs> Mount Carmel Brewing Company and Tap Room and so forth. So we have an affinity with it. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's our home it's our home brewery, so to speak. It's our home beer. Uh, we're in a tent yeah. in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to that actually has happened. Are, yes, that I have happened. slept in a tent uh, in the woods so, by the brewery. So, um, uh, you know, I bought it. I bought it when it, I bought it in the growlers at the uh, at the BP uh, gas station right, up here yeah. on the corner. Right. <laughs> One of the very first that, venues that it, I think that it part of that is, was what got me into it. Also, is that I showed up and I. You know, you're kind of looking at the case of beer and all these imports, and then you just see these growlers sitting. Like, what is that? Uh, right. Like, why are yeah, you know these what? giant jugs of beer sitting you here? You know who else did that? And I don't know. I've, I've ever heard anything else from them in a long time. It might still be around, but uh, Mississippi Mud. Remember oh, yeah. Mississippi oh, yeah. Mud? I remember Mississippi they, Mud. They are yeah. one of the very... Are they still... Or were they considered <laughs> craft beer or not? Because, like, you know, I remember showing up to, to band practices, you know, with, like, you know, all these... We, there was this... In the middle of nowhere, there was this store that sold the biggest beer selection you've ever seen. But they all had like an inch of dust on the shoulders of these things because <laughs> it was out in the boondocks and no one was buying this stuff. But for some reason, they had this crazy selection. I'd always see Mississippi mud. I was, I was, I never bought it because it came I've, in a big old growler, and right. I, you know, it's like I, I wasn't gonna drink a whole thing by myself. I've, like, definitely, I've definitely tried it before. <laughs> I, I actually don't know that much about it though. I've never really kind of. It's technically. I, it. I think we've got to track it down. I, I think we've got to track us down. I think I'm a little bit young for it. I'm pretty sure we can still find it for like a like a like a like it's a half growler. It's, it's not bad. I've had. It's not bad. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like a black and tan. Right. It's, it's supposed to be a black. Yeah, tan. It's not going to kill you. Right. If you know you show up here next week and I've got a couple of bottles of Mississippi mud. Can I ask you, Mike? Just because for my own personal reasons, I want to ask you this. Just because. Uh, you know, my whole intention for getting into craft beer was because I wanted to see the days of when it, there was such a thing as a neighborhood brewery again. Um, you know, I want to see a pub on every corner. You know, I want to see that come back, even though the, the dynamics of the industry have changed a bit and it may not be the same as what, you know, you might see if you go to England or whatever. But uh, how long have you lived in this neighborhood here? Well, we, we moved in here in, uh, in 2002. Okay, so, so we've been here a long time, almost fifteen years. Be fifteen years this uh, this September. So, so I mean, what's it been like for you? Then? No, thirteen I mean, years this September. Awesome. Well, what what's it been like for you? Just just being in this neighborhood and just having some having so nearby. Brewery. Well, first of all, it hasn't done anything for my waistline. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> I think you look great. <laughs> you look fabulous. Um, I'll be honest with you. For quite some time. After the tap room was open, we didn't really go. Sure, we didn't. You know, we didn't really know what was going on up there. We really, you know, we really sort didn't of a have, confusing layout. Was, you have to was, go we in through the back like, door. Eh, you know, and... I don't know. And you know, I, again, buy the beer at the store. 
by the beer down, you know, down at the down at the corner and stuff like that. But if you not see really, it on tap somewhere, you're gonna. Uh, and go then, uh, and then, um, well, and here's another aspect: I don't work regular hours, and I work on the weekends. Right. So when it was open on Friday, Friday afternoon, Saturday afternoon, that that type of thing, I couldn't go. Right. One Saturday, I happened to take off work, and we happened to stop in. Down there, you guys were and, moving uh, me into my we house. Moving, we were moving Tina into a, a house. It was two years ago. And we stopped in and uh, ran into some. Ran into Peanut, who is well known. Everybody knows Peanut from around Cincinnati Craft Brewing. Uh, mm-hmm. He was a bartender at the Dilly Deli, which probably was my first real introduction into craft. You know, into various types of American craft beer. Okay. Um, uh, which we were turned on by a friend of ours to that place, mm-hmm. um, and then when we went in, when we went in that day and saw him, we saw Peanut in Mount Carmel. We looked at each other and said, "Wait a minute, what are we missing here? What have we? <laughs> why have we not been coming here? Peanut comes here, right, and drinks beer. So Peanut is the ambassador. We were kind of <laughs> like, it must be really, you know, must be really good. Okay. And then I think they happened to have, was it the Obsidian, Obsidian. on at the time? Mm-hmm. And we drank some of that. Hmm. And then I went, damn. I said, geez, <laughs> what, you know, why have we not been coming here and and and, and drinking it? Drinking here. Yeah. And, um, you know, then, then there was a, there was a whole cabal as it were so it was like a Friday and I just want to sort of share my kind of early experience just as far as you know living very near the brewery was the day the law had passed changing about being able oh, to yes. serve well, yes. uh, I knew that it was a brewery I knew that was going on you could go and get your dollars sold whatever and I pull up one day after I I was probably in college I think it was home for the summer or weekend or something and I pull up one day, and there are just news trucks everywhere around the brewery. There is no place to park. Parking on both sides of our street. I'm just, like, navigating people, like, walking up. And I'm like, what in the hell is going on here? What is this? And then I sort of, like, turn on the TV, and it just so happened that, like, the news was on. And they were talking about how they had passed this bill and that, that breweries were allowed to serve in their tap rooms. And... It was such a bizarre experience because, like I said, I knew what was there. I hadn't been in there. Um, and you know that particular day, the governor was here. Yeah, the governor exactly. Governor Casey yeah, was yeah, here yeah. Uh, uh, sort of doing this thing. Well, I discussed that with Mike in our little interview, which, we'll hear, which you'll hear in two weeks' time here on <laughs> Cincy Brewcast. This is, by the way, Cincy Brewcast. <laughs> <laughs> Our inaugural show, and I think if we can keep it going the way it's been going tonight, I think we've got, I think we've hit something. I think we've hit on something here uh, that that uh, that really can strike a chord with people out there who I've, I've talked about it and wrote it in a in sort of a prospectus that I did about this program that that we would give Cincinnati Craft Brewing a voice, and I think that uh, that we're showing our passion tonight. We're showing how much we really love it. 
Uh, we're going to have other varying voices in here, but uh, but anyway, I just wanted to get the station ID. And actually, you have to do that. Actually, you get a, well, actually, actually, you get. You're supposed to get a. Uh, it's at the it top red, of the hour already. It was. It was. I know you're not into sports, but it was Red Barber. He had a uh, a uh, hourglass and he or a little minute timer and he, egg timer, and he would That's turn smart. it over, and every three minutes he'd give the score. He'd say, you know, Tigers three, Reds two, or whatever. You know, That's so, kind of smart. This is the uh, internet. We can do whatever we want. Yeah, I mean, it's true. It is the internet. We can do whatever we want. I didn't include this on, on my station. background, but I do have a little bit of like an, uh, an exposure to broadcasting. So this is this is kind of like a you know a, a re romance for me. You know, just kind of coming back into this. Sure. Like, this has been a long time coming for me. Just you and I having this discussion of getting this kind of going. Um, sure. Just uh, before we get too off topic again, I just want to ask you. You know, as far as like sensory experience, you know, can you can you get some of that? brewery smell kind of wafting at you especially maybe when they had the food trucks over there is that does that ever reach i think we're a little bit far down for that yeah i think we're a little bit far down the street for that but But we can get a visual on it honestly i think the wind always seems to be blowing the other other direction and and it's and no matter what grain is rotting Oh, <laughs> and then it's every, and then that's you can right. Smell we did spent grain. We did have the spent grain rotting a couple of last summer. And it was oh, really it, nasty. But it, yeah. it, it, it's. I'm sure it's been under control lately because, like, uh, ever since I started there, I think I think it's been under control. I've I've, I've been to a few places where it's just left out, mm-hmm. but I think Mike does a pretty fantastic job of uh, of being on top of it nowadays. So you're going in for another pour there. Well, I I, I decided I wanted to uh, since I'd never had it before have another shot of the uh, saber tooth tiger. I think oh the uh, IPA is gone. Although we might have another one out in the beer it's, fridge. But it's, uh, uh, it's, it's bad manners to not follow the host of the show. So. <coughs> Ah, ah, there it is. The gnome. <laughs> like, the gnome coming through the club. Like the enigma that he is. <laughs> comes up with another India Pale Ale Imperial IPA from Mount Carmel. I will be By happy the way, sir, that. I just want to mention you are of average height, so that is false advertising. I've got my lips on. <laughs> You know, you're talking about neighborhood breweries and, you know, having the blog has granted me lots of um, free passes into some breweries before they open, which is the the perk of the job, I guess. And the thing that struck me is, you know, you've you've got neighborhood breweries popping up now. It's not all Rheingeist and Madtree, these big, massive, not that they're not neighborhood breweries, but... There's 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 little guys popping up too. There's you know your your old firehouse out in Williamsburg and dog. That's a great story and, by the way. Nine giant and they're they're designed as neighborhood breweries. And that's sort of the question that I've sort. And I think that this is definitely a topic for another show. Um, so I don't want to get too into it right now. But sort of every neighborhood is popping up with breweries. Places like Old Firehouse out in Williamsburg who would have to drive 20 minutes to get to Mount Carmel just to get to the closest brewery. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's definitely sort of a market that I think needs to be tapped and is being tapped. Sort of places that are a little bit off the beaten path where you can kind of go and have a beer that's good, that's not, right. you know. Um, there is a great story. Adam, I believe, is... is, is I don't recall the last name but Alan. yeah and 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 we went down there uh several months ago not several months ago several weeks ago um and he told us a great story that i'm not going to give anybody and it's kind of a teaser <laughs> uh i would like to get out to 
them and interview them as well. I'm sure they'll be very receptive I've, to having uh, having me come out and talk to them. I've been out there many times. They're they very are. sweet people. I mean, they really are nice people who really, uh, who, who, I, you know, I mean, you know, I'm starting to worry and there's, I think there's, I think this is some what people we were that are kind of going to, worry, to the same place here. Is is that there's start people starting to get into it for the wrong reason? Oh, oh see, my my, my, my concern, sort of what I wanted to bring up about neighborhood breweries when I gave the example of Old Firehouse. You know, this is your place. If you live out in Williamsburg or you know any of the sort of surrounding areas, you can go to this. And I think a lot of I actually was having a barroom conversation um, at Natri about this recently where kind of we were all sort of speculating on when is sort of the craft beer bubble going to pop and not yeah. everybody's going to make it. And like I said, it's a complete discussion <laughs> for an entirely yeah, different show. Chris is covering his ears. closing his ears. Um, but just sort of, but I think if you sort of stick with things like that, you know, where you don't have, because in this area, there is sort of in a 10 mile radius, by the way, the crow flies to use our friend Andy Clausen's favorite expression. Um, there is within 10 miles about seven breweries that you can hit easily. Um, and so sort of just in this area, you kind of think, oh, the market's saturated. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of people. Um, within, a, but, within a 30 mile bubble of Fountain Square, you've got right now that are making beer. Not all of them are open, but they're making beer. I think the current count is 24 breweries in 30 miles of the city. And you do well, have to ask yourself, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Right. You know? Well, yeah. I'm it sure it should be viewed as a good thing spend if you're a craft beer lover. You know, yeah. it's, it, well, cities can support. Honestly, like I said, I was, in, I was, I was in Michigan in, at yeah. the end of January, and I, did, I was there for three days, and we did 15 breweries in three days. And it was just a whirlwind, but everything was good. Everything had... Did, positives to did you it. go there for the beer yeah it was it was a when, it was a specifically brewery and, and i think it all depends on trip. i think it all depends on what that brewery's intentions are if, if that brewery is planning on uh you know getting itself out into the national or statewide market well then it better bring its a game you know mm-hmm. uh, if it's simply like like what you were talking about uh simply trying to support a city yeah you know then then just you know, make sure your beers are solid, add a little variety to it. Because once you open up a brewery, it just instantly becomes a destination spot. And, and people will seek it out. And people mm-hmm. are going to enjoy variety. And I, there's an analogy, and I'm, I know I'm going to screw up. Um, but uh, say there is a small town somewhere where there's like, you know, 20 different stores that just sell shirts. You would think that there'd be a lot of competitiveness between all those stores. But guess what? People are going to go to that town to buy their shirts because they know that's where I get my shirts. So I, I think the same thing can kind of, can kind of go with breweries. Right. Um, you know, yeah, there's 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 a lot of uh, you know people elbowing each other right now for some space, but um, you know, but that's not necessarily like, a bad thing. Well, I, and I don't think there's any question that that if the you know if the city plays its card right or whatever you want to whatever you want to say that they can actually really parlay what is happening in the craft beer industry in this town right now to the advantage of every of, of, of every 
every entity in this town, from the Reds to the Bengals right. to the art museum to the zoo, who does a lot of stuff, does a lot of craft beer stuff, by oh, the yeah. way, and has the craft center. beer on that, and the Nature Center, and just all of the all of the entities in Cincinnati can really benefit from the fact that that, in my opinion, this is probably one of the next great craft beer destinations. I would agree with and you. Not on, and not only that, but, you know, you go to Portland, and I mean, Portland's cool, I guess. I have never been there, unfortunately, and I really want to go. But, you know, they they don't even have the Trailblazers anymore. But the, and, the, the, and this town's got a pro baseball team, a pro football team, top-notch, top-notch college sports, top-notch arts, from symphony orchestra to art museums to things like that. So yeah. that's just one... That's just, and then to be able to go and get a really nice craft beer at Ryan Dice or Madtree or Mount Carmel right. or or Fifty West or any, uh, and not that doesn't even mention the bars and the restaurants and the places that have embraced craft beer. And my God, and uh, you know, I, I'm glad I, I'm glad I, we got kind of this train of thought because I wanted to mention this on the side of the. Beacon of downtown right now, which is the Horseshoe Casino. It says Taft Beers on Tap, hmm. and it has Rheingeist and Mad Tree and Moorline, wow. and it's got a big sign right on the side of the building cool. there. I'd love to know if that's actually being paid for by anybody, by the way. And maybe that's something you can dig up for that's us a real the good next question. time. That is a damn good the, question. The thing that strikes me about cities, <laughs> cities such as, you know, Portland or Ashland or things like that, not that they're brewers Ashland, are North better. Carolina. Right. Asheville. 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, not that their breweries are better than ours. It's that the people have embraced breweries as what their city is. It, sure. Cincinnati is still like in this this weird in between it's like oh yeah we're we're proud of our beer but is that what we want to be known for and i i think we have to get over that hump before we can ever really be the beer city that we are well i think just as a state ohio itself has really kind of like surprised a lot of people i mean uh what can we say i mean we love our beer uh <laughs> and, nothing else to do <laughs> and, and like six months out of the year there's yeah. you know not, <laughs> Not a whole lot to do other than get get friendly with your neighborhood bartender, but uh, um, but I think when you have to look at like you know the things that that you are uh, just unshakable about certain cities geographically, Cincinnati is just a phenomenal a phenomenal. Town. Uh, it's have another favorite uh, <laughs> there. Don't mind but if I do. I don't realize how great Cincinnati is. Like people think of Cincinnati. I mean, that what's that Mark Twain quote? Like you know, if the end of the world comes, I want to be in Cincinnati because it won't be there for another five years. Yeah, another ten years or something like yeah, that. Right. <laughs> I mean, we but we really are sort of we're coming into our own as a very. You know, a destination spot. Well, I, I, you know, I, I even use that in my interview with Mike today, which you will hear in two weeks' time on Cincy Brewcast. <laughs> Are we on Cincy Brewcast? Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is Cincy Brewcast. Uh, that uh, that something like one third of the entire total population of the United States lives within something. Like I was that's five hundred miles or something of no, Cincinnati or oh Cincinnati. Well. No, sorry. I thought you were coming up with a different statistic, which I was just sitting here on my phone being silent, try, trying to find, was that something like 85% of people in the United States live within 10 miles of a craft brewery. 
Have you ever heard that? No, I have not. Because I was, I was trying, and I'm not sure exactly what the exact percentage is. I bet you most people don't know that. Sure, yeah, but no, because I, I know I had read it somewhere before, and so I was just looking it up on my phone trying to find it. But it's, it's really interesting to think about as far as how much the industry. I am by no means a veteran in this industry, but, but just in the short time that I've been in it, yeah. Look, when I first joined in, it was they were pretty sparse, and and. Okay, by sparse, I mean they might have been here, but they certainly were not really reaching people uh, on a on a grand level. And uh, and now it is. It's just so much. Uh, it's it's so much more known about uh, you, you know different breweries. But but again, just with that statistic you just gave us, I, I bet you there's a lot of people that don't realize. Well, first you have to understand. You have to. You still have to convince people. You know why visit your neighborhood brewery. Um, you know. Well, and I mean, there are so many people out there and, you know, I've met tons in my entire life who are, oh, I don't like hobby beers or I don't like, I only like light beers. And it's like, but you can go to any craft brewery and get something that you like. If you like light beers, try a blonde, you know, get a Madry Lift, get a Mount Carmel Blonde. And the, even those, to me, I sort of just sort of I'm like, hmm, nah, nah, those aren't really for me. Right. But I mean, to sort of to get somebody just in the tap room that wouldn't necessarily be there otherwise as a gateway. I well, think that was, that, that was one of the things that it, in the lost email to uh, Noam and to Tina that <laughs> I didn't get out, it was one of the things that I wanted to uh, maybe discuss a little bit was what would be your advice to people that, you know, that, that would be uh, say craft beer, you know, craft beer wannabes or people that, that are like Tina said are, Oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Cub fan and I'm a Bud man, you know, I'm, I'll, you know, I watch, uh, you know, I want my racing to be NASCAR and my beer to be American. And I, you know, I love a Bud and, and which let me say this every once in a while, it is not the worst thing in the world it's not. to be unchallenged <laughs> no. by a beer. No. Sometimes when it's hot, when you're on a boat, when you're, you know, yeah. whatever, you do not want to really sit there savoring a I delicious sacrilegious but I IPA. actually enjoyed a Budweiser I mean, not there, too long yeah. ago. I, yeah, I actually was just in Well, here's, here's Noam. Now, see, he tells me that they hold a gun to right. his head to, uh, to, As a macro to, to get a drink of it. There may or may not be some hoodie delight in my fridge. Well, I'm saying, may or may not, I'm saying, I'm saying, but, but how old is it? Does it have this picture of the no, bengal on the side? No, it's I mean, fresh. Uh, <laughs> it's well, but see, that's that, there's a time and a place for everything. And that's I have a, a friend who is a magic bartender who tells me he keeps a 12 pack of PBR in his fridge at all times. Just does he have just a handlebar mustache <laughs> well, or a beard? That, he has a beard. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's I'll say you no know, with. with Again, I want to hear kind of what everybody would tell their their non craft beer drinking friends about what to try or or how. But it's it's interesting. Uh, Moreline has given uh, since they bought the, all the brands and everything. Uh, uh, Moreline Lager House and Moreline Brewing Company has given some cachet to Udipol, UD Delight, Fourteen uh, K, uh, uh, Little Kings. Um, you know, do people? think those are craft beers? I mean, are there people that are going around thinking, grabbing some of those bad so. boys and I thinking they're I, drinking I, I really think something. anything that is going to... Or is it the retro? Sort of any, the retro. Any, well, there's that's, a retro movement, too. But anything that's going to 
awaken your palate enough to say, okay, I did like that. Let me try your, you know, let's say they ju- they just had the blonde. All right, I'll try your red. You know, I, why not? Let's let's not let's not make any uh, false uh, statements. I mean, we we know that every craft brewery out there, what's their first strategy? It's like let's put out a blonde, let's put mm-hmm. out a, a light lager, something because we know we're trying to get to appeal to that lighter drinker. But I I, I think that uh, the the best thing to get anybody swayed over to the craft beer side. Um, would would be to, you know, I, I put guess them, put them in a bar at a, at a craft brewery. I, I've got, I think that is more than you can do. You can put a hundred beers in front of somebody if they think they're a bud drinker. They think they're a bud drinker. For but me, you you get them in a tap room and you let them see that community and that camaraderie and the they see somebody brewing. They I, see I think somebody you have great points. See somebody up there sweating with their big stupid boots on, starting. <laughs> I mean, that, that right. like well, and I agree with you. Know, kind of to take it a step further. My boots I are think, stupid. If, <laughs> I think if I had, um, you know, just sort of listening to you guys talk and thinking about what my advice for a non-craft beer drinker would be, and I have it on record from several bartenders, uh, sort of myself included, get a flight. Bartenders hate it, That's right, but yeah. get a flight. But no, you know you, you make a great point because uh, the I think education is the best. Education is the best tool because I hate 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 when I go to a bar. If you're walking into a bar, let's just forget about getting them into the tap room itself. If you're walking into a bar and they say, well, "What do you have?" You know, and they have this huge selection, they don't have time to learn about all these different beers. What are they going to do? They're going to go with their old standby. But if you as a bartender take the front line and say, sell it. listen, if you like caramely beers, if you want something that's going to remind you of sitting next to a campfire, that's your beer. I'll tell you what, I'll pour you a little sample. If you don't like it, fine, I'll get you the one you want. But a bartender or a server with education, that exactly. is where the forefront lies. Yep. Yep. And it's just sort of, yeah. And if we can get an opportunity to kind of bring that to you. And get it kind of. And there needs in, to be more people like you that are that, that and, have that on their uh, agenda. Yeah, and you know it's sort of and it's funny to me. I mean, just kind of going on a tangent a little bit. Um, where I work, we have eight taps and four are usually local or craft, um, four are domestic, and it's just hilarious to me. And like I said, maybe we can talk about this on another show um, because I really do respect Ryan guys to what they're doing. But it's almost like clockwork. When they say to me, what's your draft list? I say, oh, we have blah, 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 Rheingeist, Madre, blah, blah. And they hear Rheingeist and it's like something pings. And they're like, oh, I'll have that. It's a, it's a very, it's, yeah, it's distinct very, name. Yeah. yeah, and it's very, you know, sort of, and it's like, well, you know. People know it as their, If, if yeah. what you, you know, what what do you like, I might be able to recommend something. Oh, Rheingeist is. Rheingeist, boom, that'll do it. And it's, it's and like I said, I think we could talk about it more in depth. <laughs> um, but we are at sort of a. Well, uh, we're, you know, um. You know, we wanted to try to keep this to an hour or so, and I think that uh, we've done one hell of a job tonight. Uh, I think you all can be very proud of, of what we've done tonight. Uh, I think this show definitely goes on uh, as part of our uh, as as our first inaugural show. Um, um, you know, let's go around the table a little bit. Uh, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that we could have talked about tonight. There was a there was a uh, Beer Madness uh, bracket that was put out by the Washington Post earlier in the week uh, There, uh, that uh, would have been real grist for the mill. Um, 
there's was the there's the tell, you know uh, no just tell us a little bit about the Rheingeist expansion and what's it they sort of had a good news bad news week they've got the expansion going on uh, they've got the uh, uh, the MSD uh, they've got the MSD decision kind of which was great for them and great for uh, Blank Slate so and a lot of the other Cincinnati well at least they're gonna you know, put a moratorium on on that on that on that particular sewage charge. Uh, and if you know a little insight about that, that that would be great to hear too. And then they also got the bad news about the Kentucky distribution uh, sort of uh, thing that was going on, where now they are no longer able to dis- distribute their beer and, and or any others that they may have. They ever, personally are it, no longer. They personally are not. They, yeah, go ahead and, and just give us a real quick. We'll kind of you, do a little newsy you, thing, and then we'll maybe wrap it up here with a. You hit us with three more. really big topics. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> well you, you have know, five minutes. <laughs> yeah, you've got you know, two it, minutes to wrap it up. Uh, so. Distributorship is, you know. They'll be all right. It's Rheingeist. They've got a little bit of leeway that they can make it work and get their beer into Kentucky. Kentucky's not going to get Rheingeist. Um, it hurts some jobs that they created, and that hurts them as people that they have actual individuals that are now either out of a job or if they can find somebody to buy this company. But the the, the MSD, the, the, the sewer stuff is... That's a that's a big topic that I think we're not going to um, hear the end of for quite a while here. It's trying to get the city to work with the breweries, and you know, you guys, Mount Carmel, are in a nice position out here. You know, outside of the city the wrath of <laughs> what uh, everybody else kind of has to deal with. But do you it, think it was? Do you think it was just? A, it's, do you think it's a money grab? I mean, I really think it's a money a, grab. That's a, I mean, it, yes and no. I I I understand the need to. Um, to pay for something like that, but it was it was really fast and really over the top, and that's the best way that. Oh, well, I can, and that sort of I, I mean, it. like I think that I know we're running over, but no, um, I mean it's it's the internet. It's the, we can do whatever. <laughs> yeah, we want. We can do whatever. <laughs> um, but I mean that is sort of the thing that you know I read, and I don't know maybe the whole story. I haven't talked to. Scott about it or anything at Blank Slate. But, Scott Offalit, the owner of Blank Slate. Uh, but, I mean, he did say in an interview with uh, Jesse that that could really put them out of business. And because there's, and he said if it had been, you know, if you'd given me six months to a year, can we, can I could we, have figured it out. If it, not. I, no, I think I speak not only for myself because, you know, I'm kind of uh, ignorant to this whole topic, but our listeners uh, what what are I guess there's been some kind of tax imposed on yeah I'm sorry that's, that's a very good point yeah, yeah. The, the, take it the, away now the the waste that breweries are creating mm-hmm. that they are dumping into the sewer the city wants to wants to charge more for the breweries for their use of the it, wastewater I call bull describe it. And, and well, on, what on kind of waste? Of, I, I mean, what kind of waste gets? I mean, is somebody who works at the brewery, honestly, like, what kind it, of waste? Honestly, is, it just depends on the brewery. I could say, uh, from a proud standpoint, with Mount Carmel, right. I was very, very pleased when I joined with Mount Carmel that our waste is so uh, almost non-impactful. Because whatsoever. it's not like they're flushing the flushing the spent grain down the toilet. No, or anything. we're not. That's, anything, but that's a great point. And though, here's here's it? the bull that I call on it is like the water that goes that we're paying to, to bring into the brewery is the same water that goes into the beer. So 90% of the water that we're already paying for is going out the door. If anything, 
the same amount of water that would say get flushed down the drain of like a, a professional car wash is probably what's leaving our brewery. It's not a whole lot. Uh, I would think that professional car wash would be a lot more, but possibly, possibly. But you know, I'm just saying, I, I don't see them well, I think taxing the, the I car think wash any the, extra. You know, the kind of the city's concern. They're probably using a lot harsher chemicals. What there. comes out of the brewery? Because I think if I'm if I'm not mistaken, maybe Noam, you know a little bit more about it than I do. Um, that it's the sort of the rub lies in that they have to that the breweries will have to install this equipment that will measure certain right. amounts of oh, what things is, what is in the their waste. Take on it? What are they saying that we're getting rid of? Because I mean, I understand that I think the 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 water processing uh, process, which I, I know nothing about, uh, I'm sure that there are organic and non-organic things that they have to break down. Uh, Pretty much everything that leaves a, a brewery is, is organic, not in the sense of like what you know what you find in your produce shelves. Like, this is certified organic. No, I'm just saying it's it's, like it's not going to kill a septic tank. Is, I'm just saying it's it's hops <laughs> it's and it's process. yeast and it's right. and it's not getting dumped down in mass quantities. Uh, you know, but again, that does vary from brewery to brewery. Right. There is a certain amount of of, of uh, cleansing chemicals that go through there, um, but uh, so I can again, only speak for my as opinion. I said, a money grab. They decide I agree with they, you. Unless, I mean, there's there's a certain, I guess, amount of volume, but we talked about the volume is not necessarily as great as one would think. Right. Because, it, because as Chris said, 90% of what the water they're using is going out the door in the bottles and or I, the kegs. And I think that's why it's been it's been put on a, on a hold to explore the, the topic a little bit more because you... you it's not across the board. Everybody's not putting the same thing into the sewer, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. needs to be, it needs to be examined. So, but you were saying that just to keep uh, keep things on track here, uh, how how does this impact our local breweries in Cincinnati? You know, the, which breweries the, are at stake? You know, uh, are breweries at stake? The the best example I can give is the one that has come out and given some kind of a number to it. Mad Tree is the one. That has has they I not guess, to perpetuate they, rumors here. I, they, I'm, that's what <laughs> but I'm you to, heard it here. First. I'm trying to no. They, this is the <laughs> Welcome to Cincy Brewcast. You'll never you'll never hear it here first on Cincy Brewcast because it's a podcast. I'm We're trying to word it carefully. You know, once we go live, you know maybe no. uh, they they have said that their sewer costs have gone up almost fourfold from what they were last year to this year. That's the sewer cost. Now you're talking about installing a device that measures what water is coming in versus going out. And that's a whole different topic. That's what Scott at Blank Slate is a little worried about because that's a device that can cost anywhere from two to $20,000 to install. That's what's going to put a brewery out of business. It, Mad Tree, Ryan guys, these guys can afford a huge... Well, yeah, and we bill. sort of, you know, we talked about it, Dad and I, a little bit um, in the past week or so about, you know, just when it was first coming out, you know, when Scott posted... The picture of the letter on his Facebook page, and um, and it's sort of you know with guys and with guys like Madre and Rheingeist, two to twenty thousand dollars, whatever, isn't really that much to them because they're bringing in that much revenue every day. And but guys like Scott, who's open what four nights a week, right? And Not even. you know, Not does, even. yeah, and you know, it, the little and doesn't guys, have. Thousands of square feet to seat people in as right. they do at Mad Tree. E- and even, but even right. Mad Tree and said 
if this was this we can handle this because we're big enough if this was our first year mm-hmm. we couldn't have done it we we would we would be done and that's a scary proposition to that a city is that is that that well, should be supporting their breweries to say right yeah, and you might kind of to be holding madtree and blank slate to the same standard is just outrageous right. as far as waste goes as far as you know how much it's going to cost them um, and so I think that's kind of some stuff that we're going to see develop well, as I, I, the I kind of thing is on hold. I know I heard uh, Cranley, uh, Mayor Cranley on the Bill Cunningham show the other day, uh, the 700 WW here in Cincinnati, and he, he, he just said as an Irish Catholic <laughs> mayor, for me to allow the breweries to take a hit like that would be uh, – would be – Part of my part of my death knell as mayor, so to speak, especially around St. Patrick's Day. Right. And, and so part of me smiles that I have not heard anybody that said differently. I that what you hear from people around town is like, well, no, you can't do that. Like you don't hear people saying, oh yeah, get those breweries, get them to pay. You know, like no, people support. Right, but I can just breweries. see the folks, the fine folks down at the municipal sewer district, just going. Oh, those craft brewers, they must be making so much freaking money. Let's get them now, you know, because there's a lot of stuff going on. We could go way off on a tangent because there's a lot of stuff going on with people that I know that had to hook up to the sewer, had to use certain plumbers, that had to do it, you know, and it cost them $10,000 for a homeowner to to get. And that's what MSD has been involved in is, is... Trying to grab money to to you know to improve the system. The sure. system needs to be improved, but there's a lot of people that think that you know they should have been improving it all along. Where in right. the hell is the money that we've all been paying? Right. You know over the over the, over low these many years, and now all of a sudden you're realizing that you've whatever done whatever to the money, yeah. and now you're trying to. You know, get money off the backs of the homeowners and yeah. craft brewers and God knows who else. Well, Sorry, you, you, I, I, no, no, no. You, you, know, you I mean, brought up an interesting uh, point a second ago when you said to hold who, who are the two breweries that you mentioned again uh, to hold so and so. Oh, Madtree to the same standard or as, as blank, uh, slate. blank slate to the same standard right. as Madtree. That's that's an interesting uh, comment in itself. Just because, like, for years the battle has been, how dare you hold. Uh, Great Lakes, or how dare you hold Mount Carmel to the same standard, or even Sam Adams to the same standard as Budweiser. Now we have, you know, a, a microcosm, you know, kind of like of that of that whole dynamic in the craft brewing industry. That's interesting. Well, and uh, I don't even mean it as like a, right you know, there. quality of beer or no, no, how no, much you produce. No, but, but, but to be held but to the just same. The size, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous. Like I said, Matry can easily, you know... Well, I'm telling it you, still hurts. <laughs> a, a, ten, a ten thousand dollar piece of equipment to install is their Saturday, where it blank slate. That's their month, you know, as far as sales go, and as far as you know. Um, so it's just it's yeah. Not... There are some people with, with deeper pockets than others, but still. exactly. And so I think that it's very unfair to kind of make these sweeping sort of generalizations. All breweries have to because you don't. And I think that's probably where that device comes in to measure what their waste is. Nine Um, Giants sitting in Pleasant Ridge is not open. They're not brewing. They're not doing anything. But they got a letter just like Ryan Guys did. 
And I mean, I don't think it's necessarily mm-hmm. unfair because I think that trying to open. as far as mm-hmm. businesses go, I'm sure breweries yeah. are kind of on the higher end that. of the waste that you put out. But I think that it's not there. Like you made the mention of the the car wash, like you're putting. Or was that you? Yeah. Chris? Oh, sorry. It was me. Um, yeah, you're putting in as much down the sewer as a car wash, but they're not you know, sending letters to car washes. So that's where I sort of do agree with you. Well, we don't know a, that either. The, it just became a big, it, it was a big, it was a big issue well, in the craft beer Well, I think that's sort of where I'm kind of agreeing with you that it's sort of, becoming a money grab. It's like, where can we, who can we all right. kind of get? So, um, let's see, what else? Uh, Kentucky. Uh, that's a, that's a, I think, um, Rheingeist thought they were going to have some bigger beer in their corner on that one, and we're extremely disappointed to see that not everybody cares about employees the same way that they did, and they kind of got screwed over a little bit. Some bigger beer. There was only one other big beer. <laughs> well, yeah, Anheuser, okay, yeah. Anheuser Busch yes, had right. two distributors. As soon as things weren't going their way, they. Left them out to dry, I guess, is the best way to describe mm-hmm. it. And that's mm-hmm. that's that's my outside-in looking opinion on mm-hmm. it. And I think that was really tough for them to see that. That not all beer looks out for each other. And I think... Um, you meet... You meet... Now, look. Now, now my, I may get in trouble here <laughs> saying my personal opinion. But you mean to tell me that the people in guys didn't have their eyes wide open when they were trying to slide into the sack with... Anheuser Busch. I, I mean, that, come on. I think they learned a valuable lesson. They, they thought, uh, the, I think they thought that. Right. This is when a pin. You, this is this is when a you pin. have when you have a multinational billion dollar corporation that is fighting for the same thing you're fighting for, and on, you know, in Cincinnati, yes, Ryan Geis is huge, but in the grand scheme of the world, Rheingeist is a tiny, tiny little drop of beer in the sure. beer glass. You know? Well, I mean, as but we you read the opinion as I this is Rick Armin, Rick, mm-hmm. Rick Armin. Oh, Rick Armin. I mean, he, I mean, you know, he pretty much was right down the line with the Kentucky craft brewers that said there's no way that this loophole should exist. So, I mean, and that's an opinion. I should a should a and I'm going to use air quotes to say a small brewery, should they be able to self-distribute to a certain point? And that's, that should be a discussion in every state. It, it was a discussion in Ohio, and you can. If you're I mean, a brewery, you just, can self-distribute. It's going to eventually be tough. I mean, like, isn't that the most basic sort of laws of well, capitalism? Yes, but the government, you know, the government wants their tax money, always. They want their tax money, and they want... You know they they want to be in they want to be in the pockets of as many people as as they can be, and that's just it gets right back to the the, the MSD sort of situation too. Is they're they're not going to and and of course again, Rick's comments were that if there's going to be a three tier system, which is which you know everybody understands hopefully, and if you don't, it's it was created after prohibition so that the breweries would not have control over the over the bars and over the retailers basically there has to be a distributor uh middleman so to speak right. um uh that that that's got to be 
and kept in place and observed. And, and, and but do way, we agree with that? Do we yeah, agree there should be? That's, and that's Isn't a, it kind of an obsolete thing? That's that's a good question. Do you well, I mean, are that's, we a, worried that's about, a whole other. We, that's worried, a whole other show. Are we I mean, still worried topic. about? Are we still worried about Mount Carmel opening up its own saloons and having you know ladies awesome. of the evening? <laughs> you know, uh, and, you know <laughs> well, you got me so Can far. We I mean, you know, that's what I'm saying. That's where that's where prohibition came into place, and that's where that's where this three tier system came into place is because that's when Anheuser Busch. Had like their own Anheuser Busch owned a pub like like there was like look, five pubs within like one block and look at owned Cincinnati, by Anheuser Busch and they were eventually so they're providing like you know like it was they were houses of ill repute and things so like if, that. Are we if, worried about that happening? They were doing Anheuser the same Bush, thing that Capone was doing, except they were doing it legally or before but prohibition. If, if Anheuser Busch opens up a saloon down the street from Mount Carmel, are you going to start going there? No, no the consumer. We're smart enough now. We. You don't have to. Yeah, but man, let me tell you something. I don't think... I love I, I, I don't know. I don't... You know, you know that's I like a, a jaunty you know, tune. You know, that's a hell of a point. And, and, and is it, you know, could that even be something that they could look into in marketing in, in years to come where they're... Because I... You know, just pulling, you know, just driving around the car today and the Reds game on there. One of their advertisers is Budweiser. And Budweiser was talking about we have more local breweries now. You can look on your phone and find out when you're, when and where your beer was made. You know, we're using more organic ingredients. We're using, you know, I mean, they seem to be trying to now position themselves they're trying with to be a lot of the same like a position. But, but that's what I mean, if you don't make good beer, it's exactly. not going like, to Exactly. Like, if work. it doesn't taste good, you know what, it doesn't, though, it's not going to Mike, make Mike Dewey doesn't necessarily to... agree with you. Because in my interview with Mike Dewey, which we will hear two weeks from, from tonight. On, here on, 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 on Cincy Brewcast. <laughs> he thinks that marketing is the king. Well, he thinks yes. that marketing is what will make... But you know what? Marketing... Actually, that wasn't part of the interview. That was actually oh, that something was that was record. kind of off the record, so sure. part of my, part of our. But look at what Budweiser's doing. But... Budweiser does not have to play by the same rules, if any at all, because they get to change their story every time they want. Like, okay, There's... first we're going to have a Super Bowl ad that knocks craft breweries and home brewers and all that, <laughs> or. We're going to suddenly try to, or yeah, or we're going <laughs> to while, while we're buying craft and, right. So we're we're basically like whatever. I'm not going to go into the vulgar analogy I almost had there. It had something to do with an orifice and a middle finger. But uh, but I'm just saying that they they at the same time though on the marketing side they're trying to appeal to a craft beer audience. But say just because I'm a marketing genius, I go to Augie Bush. Okay. And I said, look, I got an idea. I said, you go to Cincinnati, Ohio. You you get in there over the Rhine. You open Augie's tap room. Which he very legally could do. Okay. Right? And you have Goose Island. You have... Oh, man, he's got... Kona. What is their own? Kona. You have... All the breweries this, that they own. Yeah. And then, at the end of your 16 tap... It, you know, you have Mount Carmel, you have Rheingeist, but then at the end of your 16 tap, you've got a, you've got a, you've got a Budweiser, you've got a, as you mentioned before, Michelob Amber Bach, mm. you've got a, you know, <laughs> 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 and, and, and they all of a sudden 
are a player in it, and but, I it mean, doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, well, well, I don't well, think that, I don't wouldn't necessarily just think. I'd have more in. respect. That would be valid. Well, I would appreciate it. Is, is, is what's I, I different about that than your average neighborhood bar? But oh. well, well, because they you don't. have sixteen taps, you have eight craft. Eight yes, domestic. but what he's saying is, I, I think what Mike's saying is like they they've little by little they've been picking they're picking off these little breweries. And we're all standing here scratching our heads going, why would you do And that? what they do then is they confuse the marketplace. Sure. They confuse people that, that, that may be novices to craft beer. And, and again, again, that's, that's an excellent question to ask. Is, is that wrong? Would that be wrong? Would that be? If, if Mount Carmel tomorrow decided to sell to, to Miller Coors or to Anheuser-Busch. i got to take this call, guys. Yes, Augustus. Hey, Augie. How are you? If they don't stop what they're doing, what is wrong with that? If that's the decision that they that they think is best for them, as long as they keep making good beer, I don't care who owns But do they I, ever, I do agree. I do have, agree. Has, has a brewery that's been bought out by the, the, the oh, mega... Right. Has it... Has it ever remained good? Well, I by all accounts, I think Goose Island, I think Goose most Island people say Goose Island there. has hung in there and done Goose good Island has do what they I don't know. I sort of agree with you, Chris. Uh, really, like, I thought that, and I think maybe it might just be a sort of snob situation, but I really liked Kona. Oh. And then I found out. Well, they, they yeah, I mean, like, well, they, they, were they used to be made with only Hawaiian completely. water at the yeah. time, and now now it's made with uh, the mainland water, and it's just not the same. Right. I mean, I think anytime there's a change in ownership, there's there is a potential for a change in quality. And then the market will decide, and that's yeah. I think, and that, like I said, if I I liked Kona, then figured out that it was owned by Anheuser Busch, and I was like, well. Why do I want that? See, I didn't know they were owned by Anheuser Busch. I, I just knew that they came here to the mainland. I don't know that they're actually owned. I think it's a distributing. I don't know. That it gets you get in a weird, murky kind of water yeah. of who owns what, and sure. And that's that's part of the problem, though, too, is that it's. Do we know for yeah. sure? But yeah. the, it doesn't matter. But it's still, like, if, yeah. if, if the beer's good, so there's 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 Kona, there's there's uh, there's Goose Island that we mentioned. Uh, now there's. Elysian, um, which I have not revisited them uh, to, to know for sure. Out on the West Coast. I was. Well, what do you guys feel about the whole founders thing uh, going international? What do you guys feel about that? Uh, I mean, is that? Do you feel that's just as uh, that's that's kind of like you know just as treacherous waters as being bought by a, a a mega brewery? Because I mean, like the the brewery that owns. Uh, part of their shares now is kind of like the Budweiser of Spain kind right. of thing. If, this is actually the first time hearing of this. I have not heard. Really? Yeah. They, um, I forget the name a, of the company, but... Uh, a Medello? Is that right? Uh, it could be the same brewery that does Medello. I don't know. Medello's my... Just while we look that up, the um, Anheuser-Busch owned craft breweries include... It's the Craft Brew Alliance. Right. Which is Widmer Brothers, Kona Brewing, Omission Brands, and Red Hook right is up. not considered a craft brewer by the Brewers Association because one third of the company is owned by Anheuser Busch. Also shocked up. Right. Well, I've just been uh, privy to a occupational hazard of hosting a craft beer podcast. <laughs> I think I might be right behind you. I think that we have 
done a wonderful job tonight, everybody. Um, very proud that we were able to put something like this uh, in a recording and, and able to do what we've done tonight. I think anybody and everybody out there who might have a chance to listen to this would think that we have just scratched the surface of the top. I mean, we had a dozen, six half a dozen, other, six other half a dozen or, or so other topics that we didn't even get to, which is great. Um, and shows the next, passion of our panel. yes, it shows the passion of our panel. And next week, for our podcast, we've been fortunate enough to be granted an interview uh, by Braxton Brewing, where I'm going to meet with uh, all of the Rouse family and uh, Richard Dubay, uh, the uh, brewmaster. And uh, we're going to have a, a lengthy interview with them. Uh, we will that will be part of the show next week. We will actually roll that into the. Um, we will actually roll that into the uh, body of the show, at least the portions of it, so that you can hear what they have to say ahead of their uh, opening, which is taking place on March 27th. We are going to uh, strive to record on Mondays, uh, but that may there may be some changes involved with that, and we are going to strive to post on Wednesdays. And uh, that will be posted through SoundCloud, at least to begin. You can follow uh, the Cincy Brewcast on Twitter, at Cincy Brewcast. Cincy with a Y. C-I-N-C-Y. Well, any other way is, is misspelled. I'm sorry. <laughs> then people that go around right. spelling right. Cincy with an I. No, no. I want to, I, oh, really? Oh, really? I want to kick them in the teeth, people. That's that left-handed podcast. Oh, we don't do my that. God. My God. Um, <laughs> Got to be the vapors. So at, it's at uh, Cincy Brewcast. We're, on, we're going to go ahead and uh, untap uh, everything that we had tonight on our untapped uh, uh, user, which is Cincy Brewcast. Uh, so you can find out what we drank. Hopefully you'll friend us on Cincy Brewcast so we can find out what you're drinking. Uh, you can always drop us an email at, at cincybrewcast at gmail.com. We are efforting a Facebook page even as we speak. We should have that up within the next week or so. And a website will, uh, uh, will come about at some point in the future as well. Uh, we, where we will post, uh, we shoot video, we'll shoot videos of all of our uh, interviews that we do, uh, and there will be uh, lots of additional content on there. We've got some very interesting things that we think uh, that, uh, that we're thinking about lining up, including a Cincy Brewcast beer project, where we're actually going to consider home brewing uh, a, uh, a beer, and uh, you will be able to uh, give us ideas on the styles that you have uh, the style that you would like to see us uh, see us brew and hear us brew and um, and it's just such a wide-ranging topic it's such a it's such a wide-ranging uh, uh, so many ideas so many things uh, anybody got anything to wrap up uh, just shameless plugs shameless <laughs> plug. yeah, yes you can follow the gnarly gnome at the gnarly gnome. 
at at the gnarly gnome on Twitter. On Twitter and uh, Facebook. The website is thegnarlygnome.com. Thegnarlygnome.com. Great website, by the way. When I visited last week, he's got lots of content, lots of things on there, and uh, we may, you know, we may end up having to do some of our content on your website since you've already got it up and rolling. So, um, and um, you can follow me on Twitter at, at D I G M R C I S. Anything you got plug? Uh, no, I, I wrote down uh, on this napkin here, I wrote down (laughs) a list of topics that I would like to cover. Mike, if you would go ahead and just read that aloud. Uh, topics, beer. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> All right. So that's... Chris Camboris, everybody. Chris Camboris, thank you. The room may not be big enough for the both of us. Yeah. <laughs> He's a professional. He's a professional. <laughs> uh, we'd like to thank everybody for listening, and we will see you next week with our interview from Braxton, and it will be a very heavily Braxton episode, I can week. think. We've got a, got a big week going on down there and uh, very, very proud. The most anticipated craft beer, uh, craft brewery opening, which would be impressive, except it's only two years since the last highly anticipated craft beer opening, craft brewery <laughs> opening. So. If I could add, uh, Mike, uh, speaking of shameless plugs, uh, Mount Carmel Brewery, I know that uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the is it, how's the phrase go? The white elephant in the room, or is it the pink elephant? I don't know which one I'm seeing. Right I think now. it's just the elephant. There's an elephant <laughs> in the room. Uh, but uh, you know, is is people will come to Mount Brewery, or Mount Carmel Brewery, and and you know, uh, you know, it's time to uh, to venture somewhere else. You know, when you realize, okay, there's no food there. Well, all that is about to change. Uh, Roger, our tap room manager, has got an awesome, awesome uh, lineup. Uh, uh, for uh, this summer, he's got food trucks coming up. He's got caterers. Wednesday's Wings Night. I saw that. Right. Uh, so there's that. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Right. I mean, he's got a lot of great food lined up. So please, please, if you haven't already, give uh, the Mount Carmel Brewery Tap Room another chance. Come check us out Wednesday through Saturday. I believe uh, we open up at four, um, and uh, we're to open 11. till eleven. Right. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but uh, please check us out because there there will be some food offerings. That was one shameless plug, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you that. Right now. I'm a little ashamed. You got anything, Bear? Come see uh, you over. No, at, just uh, uh, just on behalf of all of us, uh, put your ear where your beer is. <laughs> put your ear where your put your ear where your beer is. Thank you very much. Uh, joined by the gnarly known Chris Camboris and Tina Cisneros. I'm Mike Cisneros. Thanks for listening, and we will see you again next week. Stay thirsty, Cincinnati. Cheers. We're going to run out of town. <laughs> and-